0: A Saturday, November 18th, 2017, time for episode 36 of the Barnhart podcast. It's not Financial Friday, it's a snack pack Saturday edition of the podcast. But first, Anne do you have your Alinsky Bucks ready to go for the CCHD fundraising drive?
1: You bet I do, Super Nerd. Millions and millions and millions of Alinsky bucks printed out off the old, off the old color laser printer, ready to go into the second collection for the, uh, for the CCHD. I, I strongly suggest that as many people as possible do this. Um, for this, those, for this those, those listening. To,
0: yeah, this is a reference to an article from uh, LepantoInstitute.org. And we'll put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, the Campaign yeah. for Human. What is it? CCHD? Whatever it is, death, they they, death. they raise a lot of money. <laughs>
1: Human they, death. <laughs> they they give a lot of
0: money to olinsky type organizations, including Planned Parenthood, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, and lots of pro sodomy, lots of pro sodomy organizations too. Yep. I think
0: they were or Acorn also received money from them, and of course uh, Barry Obama um, benefited from those groups. So they, they're they're not connected with anything good, but they're going to be collecting money at a lot of parishes across the. I don't know if it's this weekend or next weekend or what the story is, but that's coming up soon.
1: Yep. So if if <laughs> now it's like a reason to look forward to the CCHD second collection um Blegathon or whatever they call it and yes Print off your Alinsky bucks and be sure to put and what they've got at the Lepanto Institute is they've taken a hundred dollar bill and then they have photoshopped, you know, instead of where there's supposed to be Benjamin Franklin. It's that it's that picture of uh, Saul Alinsky looking so smug wearing a fedora. I mean, it's really well done. So instead of the logo
0: of the Federal Reserve, it's the it's the USCCB logo.
1: Yeah, (laughs) so yes, if you want to make a little statement, that's, I think that's a spectacular way to do it.
0: Okay, digging into the email bag, uh, got an email from James uh, talking about the, your phrasing of the false prophet forerunner versus the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. And he says, I've been mulling over the apparent dichotomy between Bergoglio being the false prophet forerunner and the Fatima proclamation of a future triumph of the Immaculate Heart and the consequent restoration of Christendom. Antichrist clearly would have to come after such a restoration. So given Bergoglio's age and poor health, his full embrace of the errors of Russia, that means he will not consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. So how can Bergoglio be the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist?
1: Well, I mean it's it's a very good question and I'm I don't Obviously, I don't pretend to know what. What's the line in in Catholic teaching that you dropped on me in our pre-show conversation? Oh, you can prophecy what, what can is only it,
0: be understood in its conclusion.
1: Prophecy can only be understood in its conclusion it's or, completion, or completion, fulfillment, completion, or, or yeah. its completion, completion. Yeah. So yeah, if, um, if it's a
0: prophecy about the end times, um, I, by the time we can understand it, it's too late to even worry about it.
1: Exactly. And so th- there's a couple of points to make here. First, I, I have had conversations with people who have said that it is, it is not outside the realm of possibility that if the situation becomes sufficiently dire, which it obviously is, or that it, it's been the divine providence all along, that the triumph of the immaculate heart and the end times would be overlapping, concurrent. That That is possible. That is we just don't know. Um, so there there is that possibility. We don't know how these things are going to unfold. And that kind of speaks to my whole, you know, my whole shtick about um virility and, you know, obviously its opposition in effeminacy. Um, one of the hallmarks of virility and and potency is your ability to to be in the moment, to think in the moment, to to think on your feet and to you know look at the battle space if we can call it that because it's i mean at this point it's i think it's very apt to refer to this mortal coil um you know spiraling downwards as it is i think it's entirely appropriate to refer to it as the battle space
0: that would make and us the church militant
1: that would make us the church militant yes indeed and so you look at the battle space in real time and you're able to take these things in synthesize them, formulate a response, and then execute that response, you know, in real time thinking on your feet. The whole notion, and one of the things that I find very, very, very frustrating in these times is the people who are constantly arguing that you have to find a perfect historical precedent or an analog that is just almost exactly the same as what's going on right now and without that you can't you can't formulate a response you can't know what's going on I have to have some sort of a precedent or even a step beyond that I have to have somebody directly telling me what to do I have to have somebody directly telling me this is what's happening this is how you respond to it this is the situation Um, the reason that this comes up a lot you know or did come up a lot in the circles that I am or was running in is the whole, you know, looking and looking at the, the situation with Bergoglio and looking at historical resources like St. Robert Bellarmine, Suarez, all these Cajetan, you know, people who these saintly and absolutely brilliant and holy men. I mean, Robert, Robert Bellarmine is obviously a saint. Um, and also, don't forget John of Saint Thomas. So you've got these all these brilliant men. Obviously, they're writing about these hypothetical situations. You know, what would maybe potentially something look like if, you know, you've got you've got a heretic pope? Is that possible? Is it not possible? And that that ooh, that's actually a tangent that I want to address. Um, it's really interesting in reading um, Saint Robert Bellarmine and 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 others that they're writing and they're they're looking at all of these hypothetical situations with regards to what happens if you have a quote unquote pope who is who is just evil and trying to destroy the church and an arch heretic. And Bellerman keeps saying over and over again, you guys, I really don't think this is possible. I I, I will go on this thought exercise with you. And we can think this out, but I want to preface all of this by saying that I do not believe that it is possible that this can happen. These brilliant, brilliant men had enormous faith in the supernatural protection that would be given to the Petrine office, which to me, when I read Bellarmine, and how insistent he is and how how um, he goes out of his way over and over and over again to point out that he doesn't believe that this thought experiment they're all – or this – yeah, this thought experiment that they're all going on together about this question is even possible because of the strength of his faith in the supernatural protection that is afforded to the Petrine office. And what really frust- frustrates me is that you see all of these trads right now who are basically just every single day um, essentially denying the supernatural protection element of the Petrine office and trying to explain this Bergoglio situation away by not only saying that there's the whole supernatural protection element is just is essentially minuscule to non-existent, but also that if you, if you have any um, faith or actual belief in that, that you're a papaliter, you're a ultramontane, and you know, there's all kinds of hyper uber, hyper uber, uh, ultramontanist papaliter, you know, all of these, these pejoratives that go out. And, that's one of the things that really edifies me in my position vis-a-vis Bergoglio as never having ever been the pope is because I'm with Bellarmine in terms of the faith in the supernatural protection. I mean, if you if you could, you know, do a Jurassic Park thing with St. Robert Bellarmine and reconstitute him and he's standing in front of us and we could talk to him and we could show him what's been going on. I mean, I think these guys' heads would explode. I think, I think they would look at all of us. I, I wonder the same thing about like Saint Catherine of Siena. What happens if, if you if you had one of these people show up right in front of you? They had they let's assume they had had no information about anything that had gone on since since their uh, their corporeal death, and you show them the situation. And I think these people would just. I think they go into just an apoplectic shock and fall down dead. And before they died, they would look up and say, what are you people thinking? What, what are times, you thinking?
0: I've wondered at times if St. Ignatius came back if, and saw what was going on, especially somebody who was, was purporting to be a son of his order, whether or mm-hmm. not St. Ignatius wanted, would want to go back to his previous career, grab a sword and go to work.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I, I have no doubt about that. I th- I think, and I'm not I'm not being funny here. I think most of the, most of these these people, if not all of the saints, if you could bring them back, and again, the same assumption they have no information about anything that's happened since their corporeal death. Obviously, that's not the case. But with our little thought exercise here, I think probably. Well, the vast, vast majority of, majority of them, if not all of them, the first thing they would ask about is how do we raise an army? And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I think that would be one of the first things out of their mouth. They would say, we have to, we have to do something. We have to raise an army. We have to retake the Vatican, retake Rome, ret- retake whatever, you know, they would be making inquiries about what we needed to do and how we could raise an army to to begin a a military operation to reclaim um, the church and reclaim Christendom. I, I, I don't. I, I. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Go ahead. It
0: has to start with prayer, though. It makes me think of of um, Padre Pio and, and and always referring to his weapon as being as his rosary. And I've yeah. seen I've seen the uh, goofball trying uh, trend among some people on Twitter trying to reclaim or or redirect the whole idea of taking a knee. It's like, well, that's what Christians are supposed to do. It's like, okay. Okay. Fine. What the NFL people are doing, taking a knee, is totally different. But there is validity yeah. <laughs> in, in, in saying we need to start with ourselves first. We need to kneel down, confess our sins uh, first before God, you know, and then also before a priest, and also pray. We need to get our own house in order first. Uh, mm-hmm. If if we are in a mess, it, it brings back the, the the quote from Saint John Hughes that we get the priests and pastors we deserve. And yep. in terms of who, who is the pope right now, you and I are not in complete agreement on this. And, and actually, it, it's, it's the quote from St. John Eudes, which is one of the starkest things that makes me think that, you know, look at the state of the church right now. We deserve somebody like this who is just destroying things from the top uh, because we've been doing it from the bottom. We've been doing it from every direction, from every level. Why shouldn't see- it match from top to bottom? Now, and, and, and also from the, from the point of view of what has Bergoglio said that is actually infallible? Hasn't well, said th- that's thing. another
1: argument. It's if if that's if that's all it is. If it, and Satan, you know, obviously Satan knows all of this, and Satan is totally a lawyer and knows the law inside and out, and knows every way to weasel around the law. If all Satan had to do was to have, uh, Peter, you know, uh, the Pope. Do all these things without ever appearing on the logia and saying, you know, whatever the formulation is in my capacity as the vicar of Christ on earth, I hereby do proclaim X. If that's if that's the standard. Well, why, why didn't all this happen a long, long, long time ago? Because a long, I mean, long it,
0: time ago, people knew the faith, and if the, if the Pope had said something like that, they would say, well, wait a minute, that's not what the faith actually says. Now we have Catholics who don't know their faith, and will just simply follow whatever the bishop in white says.
1: Well, they, but they didn't because so many people have been disobeying everything that's been said about contraception, divorce and remarriage, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's the other um, half of it. I
0: mean, you've, you've almost got the perfect storm here where you've got, that's true. You, you, you've got the people who thought um, that uh, humana Vitae was absolutely the wrong message. And we're talking about priests and bishops in, in this group as well. Openly so, disobeyed. The just Winnipeg statement.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, so, so you've got one element who says we're going to ignore anything that is not in agreement with that we're going to ignore anything from Rome that, that contradicts do it thou wilt. And yet on the other hand, you've got people who say, whatever the, whatever the Bishop in white says, we're going to do it.
1: Because well, they exactly. don't have a the faith they, the they, they,
0: they've been deficient. Even the, even the good Catholics have been deficient in really learning their faith deeply.
1: But that's that's exactly the point. Um, if if you if you say okay, modern post Christian man and all of these these what um, Pope Ratzinger referred to as baptized pagans, these you know Catholics who are still claiming to be Catholic but are just baptized pagans, if if their whole if their whole shtick is do what thou wilt, then they are going to disobey all uh, any true Pope who says anything that's true. And then as soon as they've got their boy, as soon as they've got a Bergoglio, um, you know, standing up there in white – now uh, that's why you have this these people saying, "Well, you have to do whatever he says. You have to do whatever he says. He's he's the last word. He can totally change everything. I, I, if 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 the he goes away, can't
0: change anything. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, exactly. But they don't. They don't. That's that's not relevant to them. Whether anything is true, accurate, even rational or internally consistent makes absolutely no difference. Look at American politics." All American politics is, is you go back and forth between who has the White House, who has control of the Congress. And um, when, when, for example, a Republican says, let's do X, then all of the Democrats are against it. It's the worst thing ever. It's proof positive that this person is completely evil, blah, 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 blah. Then when it switches and you get a Democrat in the White House, the Democrat can say exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing as what the Republican said. And then it's Horay, hooray, hooray, hooray. The, the, the whole notion that you can hold anybody in this in this world today to any sort of in uh, any sort of internal consistency is I mean, you're going to go insane if you try to do that. So um, that explains all of this reason why now all of these liberal, basically de facto with arch heretics, or you can even say at this point that some of them are apostates, because some of them just explicitly, completely reject the whole thing. But they still stay in the church. I guess that's that's the precision, though. If they still stay in the church, no matter how bad they get, they're they're still they're still heretics. It's. I guess you're an apostate when you just completely, totally go outside the church, look at the church, say, I reject this in total, and apparently what, what is going to happen is that they're going to start a completely new religion, a completely no, new lowercase one world religion church, you know and then that will be that will be apostasy we have to be accurate with our terms you could be <laughs> you can be really 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 bad but as long as you don't say i completely totally reject the one holy catholic and apostolic church then you're you're just a heretic but you can't expect any internal consistency and that's why these uber leftists are just are are now coming out and claiming will Bergoglio's the Pope, therefore you have to do whatever he says, whereas they've been disobeying everything for the last 50 years, openly disobeying. They they didn't have any love for for Benedict. They hated him. For the, the, people, very who say you, min-
0: for the people who say you have to do everything that Bergoglio says, uh, it's what we used to refer to as the eggs and bacon example of, of or non-example of infallibility. Just because the pope says something doesn't mean it's infallible. So if the pope wakes, wakes up and says, "I want eggs and bacon for breakfast," that doesn't make it infallible just because he said it. And even if he Ooh, said sure, it, even sure. if he said it with the infallible formula, it's not on faith and morals. It's still not infallible. So, sure. So oh the, the, well, I mean, yeah,
1: there's there's all kinds of precisions that go with papal infallibility. Right, but there's a but non-trivial
0: this, amount of people who think it's, it, it's it's called the machine gun analogy that just as soon as the pope opens his mouth and says anything. That the, the the Holy Spirit is protecting him with the charism and fallibility and he can say no wrong. It's like, No, that's not how it works.
1: No, that isn't how it works. That isn't how how it works at all. But they're very cutesy pie about it because when the Pope is telling them that of course you can be on the pill, and of course there's nothing wrong with your son being a fag. And of course, of course you can get divorced and remarried. Of course you can. And of course nobody goes to hell. Come on. They are saying, okay, he's saying what I want to hear. And so, therefore, I'm going to pull this this uh, this ace out from my sleeve and I'm going to play this and say, "Okay, he's the pope. He's saying things I want to hear. You have to you. You have to go along with this. I'm telling you, it's going to come back. All of the people who are making the argument now with the false base premise, you know, my, my base premise with the false base premise that Bergoglio is actually a Pope and then constantly saying, it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he says. says." Well, if this drags on and there, there's another anti-Pope or another Pope, um, because it could be either, you know, they could somehow Bergoglio could either die or be sent away or something like that. Um, and if that happens and Ratzinger's still alive, then they would elect another anti-pope or Ratzinger could die, Bergoglio could die, then a true pope would be elected. Okay, let's say the, tr- the the next guy who comes along, whoever he is, if he starts saying actually Catholic things and starts teaching the faith and reasserting all of these truths, what is going to happen? I absolutely promise you this is Every single article that's been published in The Remnant that says nothing that Bergoglio says matters and he can be disregarded and the papacy is just a label. I mean, I, that that is one that blows my mind. I cannot believe and I am so disappointed in Mike Matt personally and also in Chris Ferrara and John Rao who are integral in, in the whole Remnant um, editorial sphere. I cannot believe that they are using this meme and keep saying this, that the papacy is just a label, and it doesn't matter whether or not Bergoglio is or is not, and then using that as a point of departure to say, well, it doesn't matter what he says anyway— I, I mean I am just stupefied by this. Do you not see that you are actually tearing down the papacy and at some point in the future when there actually is a a Catholic Pope, however that that comes to be, that your words are going to be used against the church as a cudgel. Oh my gosh. I mean I'm just I'm just dying a thousand deaths for these guys because I've met them in person and you know these are these are people that I know and I have personally met and their words are going to be used by the enemies of Jesus Christ and his holy church as a cudgel against the papacy until our our lord returns in glory or the immaculate heart triumphs And, and I I just, I can't understand it. I'm thinking of, there's one of these in a comment thread in a piece on the remnant that was posted not too long ago. And it's a moderator for the remnant. So I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Mike Matt. I don't know if it's uh, Chris Ferrara. I don't know if it's John Rao. I don't know if it's somebody else. But this is the whole thesis of this, of this comment that they have in this thread that says the papacy is just a label. It doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm thinking of going back in, finding that comment and substituting every instance where there's a reference made to the papacy and substituting it with um, it doesn't matter whether or not he is my spouse because it's just a label, don't you see? This is exactly the argument that people are making about marriage now. Well, you know whether he's he's really my husband or not really my husband. If the marriage is valid or if the marriage is invalid, it it doesn't really matter. Look, they and they make exactly this this point about Bergoglio too. They say, look, he's he's quote unquote sitting sitting on the throne of Peter everybody everybody calls him peter everyone acknowledges he's peter my my goodness don't you understand that that is exactly the same thing that's being done to marriage look i live with this guy the state refers to him as my husband everybody knows him as my husband <laughs> You know, is he? Va- are we validly married? Are we not validly married? Does it matter? It's just a label.
0: Well, okay, there's a yes, slight difference it- there because when you talk about civil law, there is such a thing as common law marriage, but when it comes to the papacy, there cannot be anything any such thing as common law pope. But in the history of the papacy and how popes were elected, sometimes it was the popular outcry of the people of Rome or the clergy of Rome. And so the, the whole uh, phrase of the, the the universal acceptance of somebody as being the pope, especially when you have the universal acceptance of somebody's resignation previously, um, that's not idle words. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's actually it's a formula not unlike uh, what's been applied to Trump recently about him being a clear and present danger. There's a First Amendment um, reference to somebody being unbalanced. And you can actually take somebody out of power. It's like 25th Amendment or whatever it is. That uh, the, the phrasing actually matters in that case. So, so the universal acceptance is not just a, a you mm-hmm. know, he's he's it's, not it's universal not a loose, acceptance. It's not it's not a loose uh, formulation of words. Let's put it that way. And in terms of people liking uh, Bergoglio because they, they like what he's saying, I'll, I'll read two f- verses out of the Bible. Uh, For there shall come a time when they when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their mm-hmm. own desires will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and itching will indeed, ears, and will indeed turn away from hearing the truth. But being turned into fables, yeah. So people yeah. who who choose their leaders based on what they're saying to them—that's not universal acceptance either. The acceptance has to be based on the truth.
1: Well, yeah, and it's the truth is not is also not a democracy. So you can't say, well, um, you know, I, I, here I have this spouse who is my second spouse. And, you know, the first spouse is still living and all of that. You know, we get into these situations where people are living as though they're married and they're not. And you can't make the argument, well, everybody calls this person my spouse. Every The state says this is my spouse. We pay taxes as if this is my spouse. This I've had children with this person. We cohabit. Everything about our living situation in, is indicates that we're married are they does that make them married no it doesn't well paying taxes certainly doesn't, doesn't
0: matter because usually will <laughs> take anything that some people are willing to give them
1: but the, the point is is you can't make the argument that because people call somebody or something either the pope or married if if they aren't if they aren't And that is the truth. And that is what the truth of the situation is. There is even if even if all of humanity was unanimous in saying that a given false premise was true, that would not make the false premise true in any way, shape, matter or form.
0: I don't remember who all has said this over time, and it's certainly attributed to um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, but uh, one person plus God is a majority. And and so if if literally 7 billion people think one thing and one person thinks the truth in, Mm -hmm. in, in accordance with God, well, that's your majority. Now that there person, that person will probably be dead before the sun sets. But that's a different question entirely.
1: <laughs> Indeed, and one has to be extraordinarily careful, and you know, not not be full of oneself and say, well, you know, ah, it's 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 me and God. I mean, I'm you know absolutely absolutely certain. I'm morally certain, but I'm not absolutely certain. You know, if if a lot of people think that if if the Lord showed up and had a PowerPoint presentation and sat down and said, well, Anne, you're wrong about this, and I want to show you and explain to you why, that I would argue with him. Well, of course I wouldn't. Of course I wouldn't. Um, And and I, I ask him often, routinely, if you ever want to stop by with a PowerPoint presentation and explain X, Y, and Z and anything else you want to explain to me, I would absolutely love that and um and it always tickles me reading in the gospels that whenever our lord shows up he's always asking for food. i mean so i'll 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 even i'll cook him whatever he wants um i'll pour him whatever he wants to drink um <laughs> so if he wants to come with a powerpoint presentation and explain to me all the things in life that i'm wrong about and there are plenty of them i'm sure um but Right now, I'm more—I'm obviously morally certain about about the position I'm holding. So, um, and I, I wouldn't—but I wouldn't ever say, well, even if it's just me alone and and God, well, you know, that's that's really. that's a red flag when people start saying that they are speaking for God or No, I
0: wasn't suggesting that in the slightest. Oh,
1: no, 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 I know. But, you know, hey, you got to. There's actually, that's kind of a topic that we're that we're throwing around that we're looking at, you know, doing some sort of a discussion of is, you know, uh, in fact, you've had a conversation with somebody else that's germane to this about, you know, apparitions and um, visionaries and you know, being able to discern what's accurate and what is true and what's real. Yes. So for when, example, when the
0: other, when, when I launched my other podcast, I see he's going to be one of my first interviews actually. Um, and life has been happening. So the people who have been emailing and asking, Hey, where, when's your other podcast starting? It's, it's going to happen soon, but I can't make any promises about this because uh, this is my third job to be <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, right, right. I've, I've got a right. normal day job, which actually being a programmer, it's, it's, you work eight to five and then, you actually have to work four more hours a day after that to stay current on technology, and I have a wife and a family, and I have this podcast, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's 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 a lot to do. So, <laughs> and every once no, in a while, people get sick, and other things comes up. So, or, or you yeah, overdose yeah. on Halloween candy or whatever. So, yeah, I'm getting on there. Candy I'm, I, I'm yes. not slacking. Honestly, <laughs> I am working on this. I've got things in the hopper in the pipeline. <laughs> I just don't know when it's going to happen.
1: But I think there's a lot of people out there that would greatly benefit from hearing how it is that things like Fatima and Lourdes are are, you know, reliable, supernatural events that happen. And things like Veronica Lucan at Bayside, New York and Medjugorje and all that crap. Those are obvious, false not to be trusted. And there's so much of that. And I, I suppose, and I assume that as, you know, we go forward, that Satan is going to have, try to launch more and more and more of these false, um, false paradigms, you know, with false visionaries saying this, that, or the other. Oh, that's, you know, pre-
0: that's I, predicted in the scriptures. You're going to have all kinds oh, of yeah. people predicting wonders and, 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 um, and, and fantastic things.
1: Yeah. And it's up until now, it's actually if you're if you're a savvy kind of a person, it's actually pretty, pretty easy to tell which ones are just, you know, cuckoo pants, postmenopausal women who are just, you know, going off the deep end like Veronica Lucan. I don't think she was evil. I don't I just think that she thought that making that crap up was in service to the church somehow and then it just it just snowballed and she and she got wrapped up in her own just she got wrapped up in her own thing and i i don't think she was an evil person but it's obvious she's obviously just completely full of it and it's not to be paid attention to and I have it's to, also I have
0: to admit when you mentioned the name just now i was like luke and that's a gymnast right i've i've never heard this person's name before i've heard of bayside never i've heard you know, condemnations of Bayside and other unauthorized private uh, revelations. But Mm -hmm. I never heard this person's name before. That's kind of funny. Well,
1: we'll put this in the show notes. I'll put a link to, I mean, there's some audio recordings of her and it's just, it's obvious that she's insane. And you know, there's one priest who made the really, really good point that with the way our Lord works with a lot of these, um, visions, apparitions, these miraculous, these supernatural events, there is a conspicuous, conspicuous lack of menopausal and postmenopausal women who are, you know, the the channel through which these things happen. And this is absolutely valid because I, I'm sorry, and maybe people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but a menopausal or postmenopausal woman has an intrinsic um, unreliability. And and this is the truth. This is absolutely the truth. Um, so, you know, I'm 41 years old. If I start going off about I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that, ignore it. Absolutely ignore it. And I can tell you, I, I mean, as long as I don't l- literally lose my mind, if something supernatural were to happen to me, none of you, none of you would ever hear a word about it. I would assume one of two things. I would assume that I was either experiencing some sort of early onset dementia and I was becoming symptomatic and hallucinating, or I would equally think that it was possible that it was demonic. True. When, when something like that happens to somebody, they do not go blabbing about it. They're scared to death. And what they do is they go, you you go to the, into the confessional and that's about the only place that you're supposed to discuss these things. You're supposed to do it in the confessional. And most of these these people like for example, St. Bernadette, you know, she had to be well, no, not St. Bernadette. Who am I thinking of that had to be told? There there's several of them had to be explicitly told. Write this down. You know, do this, do that, do the other. Um, It's not Bernadette. It's not Bernadette. Obviously, it's somehow. Who is it? I can't remember who it is. But people are scared when this happens to them. They they doubt themselves. They wonder what's going on, and they go and they need to be told by their confessor. Write it down. Let's continue to see what happens. Oh, questions. Oftentimes the confessor will say, okay, if it happens again, here's a question. Ask this and see what the the response is, how that comes, so on and so forth. Um, So people who just show up and start saying, Jesus and Mary are talking to me 999,999 times out of a million, the person is either – schizophrenic mentally ill hallucinating or it's it might be something demonic too um that that's generally not how it works so and so that right there that right there gives you a pretty easy Uh, way to sift these things. Yes, no. Like Veronica Lucan just shows up and starts running her mouth. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but that's that's not how these things work. And it's not how people who are sincere about it, um, how they react when it happens. So where are we circling back to? Oh, I know we have to circle back to we have to circle back to St. Robert Bellarmine um, and expecting that You're going to have in these days a perfect uh, plan laid out in front of you. This is what is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. No, no, that is completely wrong. So like Eisenhower, the D-Day invasion. Oh, they had they had plans and plans and plans laid out same with Patton you know I was
0: just gonna say when, when you said Eisenhower I was sitting here biting my lip saying I was about to interject earlier about Patton and who was a, an inveterate student of ancient uh, battles and, and, and mm-hmm. in the movie Patton there's a scene where they're driving around in North Africa and he, and he tells the captain or whoever was driving stop here's the battlefield this yeah. is where it took place. And he was talking about a battle that had taken place 4,000 years previously. But yeah. because he was such an inveterate student of, of warfare and, and the battles, he also was a very practical. He said that, that the most important quality is audacity. You've got to get on the field and take the fight to the enemy. Um, mm-hmm. a, a, an imperfect or a, a workable plan today is better than the perfect plan when it's too late. So That's the right. whole point yep. is you don't try to sit there and wait for a perfect plan. Get on your knees. Grab your rosary. Take it, have a devotion, uh, an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ and take the battle to the enemy. Don't wait for a perfect idea. And it's going to happen in this life.
1: It's it's not going to happen. We have to see what's going on, process it, formulate a response and then execute the response. And there is no perfect template that exists to tell us how to do that. We have to do it. We have to do it on our own. But but as Supernerd just said, in prayer, in prayer, in prayer, um, and and trusting that we will we will be able to formulate the correct response well, the and perfe- we will be able response, to do God's will. As,
0: as Saint Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. It's not so much that I am the one making the response, but I'm facilitating Christ to work through me to give the response to for you people exactly. who are more into modern um, uh, movies, think of it as the force moving through you and doing the things the Jedis <laughs> do and whatnot.
1: <laughs> the midichlorians, let the midichlorians do their work. <laughs> yes, oh the, dear. The, the quantifiable oh dear.
0: amount of sanctifying grace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so you're if you're sitting around and you're you're a slave to having somebody else tell you, What to do This is a pure function Of effeminacy It is a pure manifestation Of a lack of virility And a lack of potency And you've got to Get your mind right I mean Who could have written Any of this And it's funny I had a conversation Earlier today With someone who said You know Malachi Martin Got pretty darn close On some of this stuff (laughs) But that's Maybe that's another topic For another podcast We should do a Malachi Martin edition (laughs)
0: There there are people Who think Malachi Martin Was dead on And then there are people Who think he was Completely off his rocker. Uh, it, it's,
1: uh, well, you know, there's it, there's both 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 of those arguments can can be argued very soundly, but there are things that he wrote that you have to admit. It's just, wow. I, I, I think mean, there's
0: no question that he was privy to some things that uh, the vast majority of um, churchmen at the time weren't privy to. I mean, that, yes. that okay, that's, that's a dramatic understatement. He was a secretary to Cardinal B or someone like that. I think he actually saw the third secret of Fatima that was written down uh, yes. He 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 definitely was privy to things that very few people outside the Vatican and most people in the Vatican don't know about. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. But true. yeah, a
0: topic for another time.
1: A topic for another time. A topic for another time. Um, but yeah, you 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 can't sit around and wait for the PowerPoint presentation to come with the battle plan we have to do this we have to think on our feet we have to do it all in real time and who could have possibly possibly foreseen any of this written this i mean every day you open up canon 212 and and drudge and it's just and you just sit there and say i I can't i couldn't in my wildest wildest craziest fictional imagination have come up with any of this stuff both on the church side and on the um in, in the secular world too. It's just so, you know, man up, guys. Man up and you know, start thinking on your feet and get down on your knees and pray and stop with this quietism. And well, there's nothing we can do. And the other the other meme that people go to a lot is is Our Lady, you know, we know that Uh, The Immaculate Heart will triumph. We know that the Sacred Heart of Jesus will triumph, obviously. Therefore, we don't have to do anything. And No, 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 no. How do
0: you think the triumph is going to come about?
1: How do you think it's going to come about? And uh, I'm sorry, but what about all of these other people? And um, the analogy is when you're on the plane and the oxygen masks drop out of the the thing and they say, and this is very, very true, put your own oxygen mask on first. Yes, that is you getting square, getting a prayer life, getting a liturgical life, going to mass, going to adoration, praying the rosary, et cetera, et cetera. You get all that squared away as, as best you can.
0: Remembering then, at whatever time of day you want to choose on Mondays through Thursdays, when Ann's benefactor masses are happening, to join your intentions with with the, with the mass going on for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. And once you, once you've got that, then what do you, what do you have to do? If unless you're just a complete psychopath. You have to turn to the people around you next to you in the little, you know, row of three seats on the plane, and you help the person to your right and you help the person to your left. What kind of a psychopath would get their oxygen mask on and then there's a child sitting next to them and they won't help? And there's a, there's an elderly person sitting to the left of them and they won't help. Or there's just a person who's sitting there who's panicked and shocked and and, and doesn't know what to do. Well, well, of course you help them. Of course it's our job to help and, and to fight and to do these things. And as Super Nerd said, duh – who do you think is are, is going to be are going to be the people who are going to, you know, bring to fruition and and ascend in in the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and of the Sacred Heart of Jesus? We're not just all going to be sitting like we're sitting in a football stadium watching this. and And that's because he loves us. He loves us so much that he says, "I'm going to give you the chance to fight for me." I'm going to give you the chance to show for you to demonstrate your love for me. I'm going to allow these things to happen to me precisely so that you can come and stick up for me, so that you can come and fight for me. I mean, think about that. Think about that. He could. He could right now just being God, omnipotent. He could put everything in place. Oh, God could
0: miracle the solution into existence right now.
1: Of course. He could do it right now. This is this is a key point that I think people just they don't think about because and I'm gonna drop it again, I'm gonna say it again, people do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ too many people. He's just a philosophy. Wait, he's and just you're, a you're a former system.
0: Protestant. Why are you bring up that trope?
1: I know, right? I, I keep, <laughs> it, and, pe- it's, it's, and people correct, keep though. trying. It's correct. It's though. And that, totally that's correct. why I, that's oh. why
0: I interjected with that is because a lot a lot of times, yeah. or I should say, sometimes people will, will accuse uh, converts from, from Protestantism to Catholicism of bringing this crazy idea of, of personal relationship with Christ over to Catholicism. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he's, he's that's like the one thing that the, that the Protestants got, got right that, that yeah. was true that they took from Catholicism to begin with.
1: Exactly. Tell tell me that all these saints tell me Saint Catherine of Siena didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean if you if you even attempt to make that argument, you're out of your mind. I just run down any the litany of, of saints. saints.
0: Just run down the litany down of saints and say, and say okay, yep, which one yep. of them didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes.
1: Yes, yeah, and that's, oh, that's good, and I should put that in writing, and I should put it at the blog. You know, Bounty, would somebody please send me the name of a saint who did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ while they were yet alive?
0: And this counts the I, Old I, Testament saints and prophets and and Indeed,
1: uh, mm, mm-hmm, indeed, indeed. And so, um where was I? Where were, I was on a,
0: was I? <laughs> I was on some you sort of something. a tangent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> oh, uh, I was on such a roll too. What was it?
0: I don't know. Uh, so much for a snack pack edition. We thought this was going to be a twenty-five minute show.
1: <laughs> I know, right? I see. I knew this was going to happen. You you called a snack pack, and then we're going to go like for an hour and forty minutes and set a new set a new record or something. Oh no, I've got to hard in like, an hour and five minutes. Okay, and um, <laughs> and I have we actually technically talked about anything that was in our initial. Um, our initial outline.
0: Uh, well, yeah, this one—the the email from James talking about the false prophet forerunner—and we got into uh, everything we've been talking about for this this whole episode so far.
1: Wow, <laughs> we can talk about a tangent, man. So, yeah, uh, I, I, it just. I feel again I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse but people people like hearing it and and find it edifying so we'll keep doing it we'll keep beating the dead horse and and you know going back and forth and and talking these things through and talking them out I think it's good I think it's good to hear these things articulated and and just so people know that it's it's appropriate to think about this and and um yeah and even to be worried about it um you should be worried about it you should be anxious about what's happening in the church and in the world um quietism is i believe it's a heresy if i'm not mistaken quietism is a heresy let me Google um, the
0: thing real quick i'm sure i can find out
1: yes and oh um just i we were talking about the uh, oxygen mask falling out of the out of the airplane and that you have to you have to help other people um well of course you have to help other people and We're we're the ones who are supposed to do that Uh, And that's that's such a privilege that that we're given and I don't know Maybe i'm flattering myself. I don't know but I I want to fight and I want to help and I want to I want to help as many people as I possibly can And obviously I want to help myself I I don't want to go to hell and I very very much want to go to heaven and I always want to do the right thing and I fail Almost every day, probably I could safely say every day. I don't do as much as I could. I don't do what I should have done, et cetera, et cetera. I don't do things in the right way. I don't use the right tactics. I don't know, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying and hopefully maybe someday before I die, I'll, I'll get something right. I hope,
0: you know, there's, there's an obvious reason why that is. You have the stain of original sin. Yes. Just like, just like anybody else who's listening to this, um, And in, in, with regard to the airplane analogy, I was going to say something like if you're sitting in, in row 15C or seat 15C, put your own mask on first. Help A and B in your row and mm-hmm. DEF and everybody else in 14 and 16 and around you. Don't worry about people beyond your reach who may need help because you have these people called uh, flight attendants who have portable oxygen devices. They're going to be running up and down the aisles to help. And, and, and in the church militant, you have similar type roles as well. So take care of the people around you. Charity starts at home that it, right. it, it literally literally in your own home and then your neighbors next to you in the HOA or wherever you live or apartment block or condominium complex or farm or whatever, uh, it starts at home. And then you work out from there. You put your, you put your, you let your, your truth shine forth like, the, like the, uh, on, on the candlestick, like it says in, in the yeah. gospels, you don't put it, you don't hide it. And that's a topic for another time, but the whole idea of bunkering down and Isolating yourself from the world. There's a certain amount of common sense that goes without and then there's a certain amount of well At what point does that stop because you are supposed to spread your faith to the world? Uh, and in terms of quietism, there is an article on newadvent.org mm-hmm. That looks very long and very detailed and I will put a link to it because I can't read this and actually hold a coherent conversation at the same
1: time. <laughs> Right. Yes, I've read I've read that article on New Advent and it, it is it's very informative But it is very long. Well, but new New Advent is is a good resource absolutely, oh, absolutely. and and this is what um, um, a, a lot of people have actually requested that we talk about the so-called Benedict option. And we kind of just we, – we just touched on it right there. We I think I think so because the Benedict option tends to oh, – um, Well, okay. that
0: I, Okay. That's a good point because I've heard it referred to as kind of bunkering off and being isolated. But I've also heard it referred to as being the St. Saint, Saint Benedict rule of – going into the wilderness where it's completely wild and taming it and, and spreading the truth. As some of the med- Benedictine monasteries throughout uh, Western Europe did, they went into just the most god-awful swamp lands or overgrown with uh, and, and unable to do anything with. And what these monasteries would do is simply clear the land and, and plant uh, grapes or, or farmland or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it, they took the most worthless land and turned it into the treasure of, of the area. So mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that's maybe I'm reading into it something that the Benedict people, Benedict plan people weren't thinking. I don't know. It's a term that I think needs to be explained. It's a term like so many things you get into discussions with people, whether it's traditional Catholics or, or otherwise. You, you bring up this term and you don't define it and you argue about it. It reminds me of talking about it's tangent night. It reminds me of, <laughs> of, of a, a discussion that a, a disagreement a flat out argument, I guess I could say with a friend of mine. This went for three months. We were talking about whether or not artificial intelligence was possible. And I'm thinking of this as a programmer who is a traditional Catholic who realizes that it's just, you know, anything that's called artificial intelligence as a facade of programming. It's a hugely nested uh, complex of if statements and, and, and um, appearance of somebody anticipating what you might do in the future. And what my interlocutor was thinking was I was making the argument that machines could have um, consciousness and the ability to know and love. And it's like, no, that, that requires a soul. And once we actually got to the point of defining what we thought the term in, uh, intelligence meant, I realized, mm-hmm. okay, we we haven't been on the same channel for the last three months. And fortunately, yeah. we figured this out before our friendship ended. But anytime you get into these these debates about, you know, what is the Benedict option? Uh, let's define terms first because that can, you, you could very easily start having knockdown drag out arguments about things that you're not even talking about the same thing. And yeah. I think that's something that traditional Catholics especially tend to get into because we have very definite ideas, right? Yes, so we've imagine arrived, that. <laughs> We've arrived at them on our own in a lot of cases. So, And that's not a bad thing. I mean, Catholics are supposed to use their intelligence. I mean, St. Saint, Saint Thomas Aquinas is our model in this, St. Saint Al, Saint Albert the Great, uh, all kinds of prodigious intellects, St. Augustine, We are we are intellectual people, we're supposed to be. But that doesn't mean that we necessarily get it all right the first time. And without the without communicating and verifying that what we're talking about, our words actually mean the same thing to each other, we're going to argue mm-hmm. past each other. And that's not a recipe for charity.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. And I think that there are a lot of trad Catholics right now um, who think that the so-called Benedict option is talking about running off and just – being completely and totally cut off and isolated from the rest of the world. Well, f- frankly, that's not possible. It just—it just isn't possible in this day and age. Um, you, what are you going to go live in a jungle of Papua New Guinea or something like that? Because, good luck with that. The headhunters will come and get you if you do that. The cannibals will come and eat you. Um, there's, there's nowhere to go. Well, there's the cannibals can only to kill go. the
0: body, not the soul. So, I mean, that's not actually a bad thing.
1: Yeah, True, true. But I'm actually talking about tangents again, going back to what you're talking about, artificial intelligence. This is actually something else that I've been wanting to talk about. You know, I wrote that piece a couple weeks ago on the normalization of suicide and the almost it's going to start being the glorification and the expectation of suicide. Have you noticed how many headlines there are on Drudge and and other places uh, on the mainstream Internet? about these so-called technologies that are, that they're trying to convince people that they're going to be able to download their brains into computers and, and quote unquote live forever and download their brains into, into the cloud. You know, it's such a clear attempt at trying to trick people into committing suicide, trying to deny the, the, the existence of the soul, um, all of these satanic things just swirling around. But keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for all of this push right now about the need to be able to digitize um, the the human mind or basically what they're trying to say is they they want to convince people that their soul can be digitized. Um, And people now are so post-Christian and so pagan that they'll actually believe that. And a lot of people are going to try to do this.
0: And, and while you were talking about that, I was doing, well, I wasn't intending to do it, but I was essentially doing a Stevie Wonder impression here, shaking my head so vigorously left and right and and shaking my whole body at the same time. We talked about many shows ago that the term that um, I, I learned in the military, gross conceptual error, where mm-hmm. it, it is you aren't just wrong. You are grossly wrong. So on a test, if you if the question was worth 10 points, but you answered in such a way that, that indicated you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, you would get not zero points but a negative 10 points. Mm-hmm. If you think that you can download your soul, so to speak – well, actually, mm-hmm. let's not say that because you're denying the soul to even think what you were saying – if right. You, if you think you can download your essence into a computer, you're missing the fact that what is truly you is the is an abstract thing called a soul. Well, it's not abstract; it's real. It, it's an immaterial thing called a immaterial. Soul. Thing, it doesn't yeah. have any physical What are you going to interface to the computer? Stick it in yeah. the air. What are you going to do? Yeah. There, there. It yeah. doesn't have contact with the physical world. It, it's a mystery that you know w- when you get to heaven and get to contemplate all all the things that you get to in, in, in eternity. That's going to be one of the things that you know. Forget the Trinity for a minute and how the hypostatic union works. How Jesus can be (laughs) man and God at the same time? How can something be physical and spiritual at the same time? That's what everyone listening to this podcast is.
1: Yeah, you are
0: hearing something through your your head that is physical, and somehow this is matriculating into your supernatural. Well, into your your uh, your soul, which is immaterial. How is that happening? Which is
1: immaterial. Yeah. How is that happening? Uh-huh.
0: That's a mystery to, to dwell on. And the fact that you know, we can't even figure that part out, but, but all the memory and the faculties of it are, are essentially in the soul The, the, and, the and the powers and the personality. It's all in the soul. And yes, mm-hmm. the body matters is why if you take a severe head injury, <clears throat> uh, like in a plane crash or something, um, mm-hmm. y- your, your ability to exercise those powers, of the soul are, are, are muted uh, or diminished or, or or completely retarded at that point. Because it's a composite, you know the the body, the soul needs the body, the body needs the soul, and they 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 work together.
1: That's so, why so there's many. going to be a resurrection, folks. That's, Absolutely. That's yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, again, post-Christian, a lot of people don't believe in any of that. They don't believe in the resurrection of the body. Oh, I don't know. It's um, in the gospel.
0: I don't know how many times.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Ah, uh, oh, who cares about that? There's that. Uh, there's also stuff about marriage in the gospel, but we don't believe any of that either. So whatever. There's also a lot about hell in the gospels. And we, we clearly don't believe in any of that anymore. So
0: I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I want to say it was like 20 or 30 times more, uh, in the gospels. Jesus speaks of hell than he does of heaven.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a large coefficient. Yes. As,
0: as if you need any more clear reminder beating you over the head. It's like, this is plan B and you don't want to go there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. But no, we've got people telling, Telling everybody what they what they want to believe, and I've said this before. I think most people, deep down, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, deep down, do in fact believe in soul annihilation. I, I the fact that people are just so unconcerned about you know the horrific sins that even the people around them that they love, like immediate fa- family members, talk about going back to the analogy with the airplane and the oxygen mass. How many people out there are willing to sit down and talk to a first degree family member, uh, a parent, a child, a sibling who is committing adultery, who is in a in a quote unquote second marriage or who is divorced and, and let's call it dating, who is civilly divorced and dating somebody else? Even just that, how many people are willing to sit down and say, look, you are in mortal Sin. If you die in this, the odds of you getting through your particular judgment are are very, very low at that point. How many people are willing to have that conversation? Uh, and, and even amongst trads, even amongst trads, who's willing to do that? And I think I think the what most people deep down believe is that they believe that, well, you know what, if so and so dies and it doesn't work out and they're not practicing their faith or they're living in some sort of a mortal living in mortal sin some way or another, that, um, you know, soul annihilation. And I think that's what most people um console themselves with, or not even console, that's not the right word. It's like deaden. That's what they, they deaden themselves with. And if it's not I'm not
0: annihilation, it's the idea of, of uh, reincarnation, which in the Old Testament was the idea yeah. of uh, transmigration of souls, which... That there's a line in the Gospels where, where Jesus points out to the scribes and the Pharisees, the people who know that they're supposed to know all this stuff, they say it is appointed a point demand to die once. In other words, specifically saying this whole notion that you people have about the transmigration of souls and being reborn again, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So it, there there are two different vectors there. It's either once you die, there's nothing in their soul annihilation, or you come back again.
1: Yeah. Can I or tell you, a story?
0: Oh, go for it. So That's your podcast.
1: So, okay, right, yeah. But you're the producer. So <laughs> so um, I was going to these classes that were put on by the Archdiocese of Denver. And they were kind of, you know, an introduction to Aristotelian ethics and, and this kind of stuff. And it was me and it was, I don't know, eight or so Novus Ordo Cathys is what I call them. And there was one guy who would come. And the guy and the Novus Ordo Cathys are all, you know, upper middle-aged um and the one guy he's also upper middle-aged and um the guy would come and he would either promptly fall asleep or he would his phone would ring and he would get up and go out in the hall and talk on his phone and then come back in and sit down and go to sleep so you know this guy isn't isn't you know, my favorite person in the world.
0: Was he there on a work release program or something or what?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he was, but, um, towards the end. And I was, I was thrown out of this class. So people who have been, um, who have been reading my blog for years and years, this is the class that I got thrown out of. Um, like, I think this might've been the last class that I went to. Um, he was awake for some period of time and he, I don't know what the topic was. He perks up and he starts talking and he says, oh, I'm a catechist at um, St. Such and Such Parish. And I do the I do catechism classes for the junior high school kids. And one of the kids asked me, um, well, the Hindus believe in reincarnation. And my response to the kid who asked the question was, well, sure, if they believe that, then why can't that be true for them? And I about lost my, you know what, I I was crawling up the wall and he said Your that. Your eyes
0: got even crazier at that point?
1: Uh, oh, you want to talk about crazy eyes. You want to talk about a, a woman just, you know, like blowtorch, buzzsaw, full auto, whatever, whatever analogy or metaphor you want to put to it. When he said that, this man (laughs) entrusted with the souls, teaching catechism in a Catholic parish and telling the kids, well, sure, if the Hindus believe in reincarnation, then why not? Why can't that that be true? And just and just said that without the least hesitation and nobody said anything, including the instructor. I, I, I mean that that sort of thing you think, well, surely nobody nobody that's Catholic would ever say they believe in reincarnation. Oh hell yes they do. They are so far gone. I'd say been
0: nominally Catholic.
1: Well, yeah, ethnically Catholic at that point. But this guy, I mean, this guy's a catechist. He's a catechist. And he's telling children this because they've they've just been inculcated with this Freemasonic, you know, man is God. Everybody has their own truth. Everybody is their own author of reality, their own arbiter of truth. So if all these Hindus over in India believe that they just keep cycling through and they come back and do it over and over again until they get it right, or they come back as a cow or whatever the hell it is. Well, if they believe that since, since man is God, which is basically the, the base premise of Freemasonry, um, since man is God, and man is the arbiter of reality, and man is the arbiter of truth, if man believes that, then why can't it be true? Um, so, yeah, there's a Gross lot of people running error. around. Gross conceptual error. There's a lot of people running around who will say, well, Yeah. If the Hindus believe that, then that could be true for them. And if the animists believe this, then that could be true for them. And if atheists believe in no soul and soul annihilation, then sure, that's true for them. That the it the capacity to think is so far gone in this culture, and the whole notion that the mind of man is the is the author of reality and the arbiter of truth. This concept so permeates the culture that, yeah, we've got people running around inside inside Novus Ordo parishes teaching your children things like this. Uh, There's no way I would send a kid into a Novus Ordo church for any sort of catechesis. Just no way. Absolutely no way would I ever, ever let a kid go into a Novus Ordo for catechesis. And you're not even talking about Catholic
0: school. You're just talking about catechesis in general.
1: Yeah, the the Sunday school. What do they call it? I mean, I didn't even hang around the Nova Scotia long enough. They have a name for it.
0: I don't know, but I was I, not I, that I was you reminded, know either. <laughs> no, 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 I was. I was going to say I was reminded of the of the quote by our, of um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. We mentioned him t- uh, once already tonight, saying if mm-hmm. if you want your kids to fight for their faith, send them to public school. If you want them to lose their faith, send them to Catholic school. And mm-hmm. this guy isn't exactly a red trad.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, he called it, man. Oh, it's scary. It's really scary. Yes,
0: scary indeed.
1: Well, I, I th- think we should call it. I think I, this we, I think might we've got be a, a new record, snack isn't it? Pack. Yeah, <laughs> the five course, very nice.
0: <laughs> well, it just goes to show that whenever we try to predict something, it ends up we end up jinxing it one way or another. So you know, we'll Indeed. do another, another. We'll do another fifteen minute snack back in five weeks, and uh, okay. we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see good. what happens with that. In the meantime, if you have feedbacks, comments, questions, suggestions, or any kind of other random ideas, you can send those to podcast at barnhart.biz. This podcast is a super nerd media production. I'd like to thank recent PayPal donors, Thomas and Teresa. Actually, Teresa's donation came in while we were recording this, as well yes. as a donor from uh, Colorado who sent in a check. I They didn't leave their name or a note. So as far as I know, they don't want their name mentioned. But thank you very much for your generosity. And if you'd like to support this podcast project oh, and the other podcast, which I promise is coming, uh, you can find information about that at supernerdmedia.com donate. A reminder, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there is a Mass for Anne's uh, benefactors. Uh, and also, once a week, there's a Requiem Mass for all the souls who died in the previous week. Please remember to join your intentions with these Masses, and please remember to pray for the priests as well. Anne, uh, any final parting thoughts of anything?
1: Happy Thanksgiving to one and all, uh, don't eat too much, but don't eat too little. And, um, I have a little mini recipe up for the pumpkin pie that I'm doing this year. It involves, um, it involves whiskey and blowtorches. So go to barnhart.biz and check out the pumpkin pie recipe. If, uh, if you're doing a pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving and hopefully we will, we will all be out of our comas and, um, we will talk to y'all soon.
0: Was that wild turkey with the pumpkin pie?
1: Yes, wild turkey, rye, pumpkin pie. So I've got all kinds of rhyming and alliteration going on there.
0: Ah, snack packs, alliterations, and instruction. So that's that's this podcast. I am super nerd. And until next time, I'm Anne. Yes. And we'll get the ending figured out correctly next time. (laughs) See ya.
1: (laughs) Thanks, guys. God bless.